So doing something a little different tonight, just kind of off schedule. Uh, my friend Gustavo and I, uh, he lives in Brazil. I live in the United States. And, uh, you know, we like to Skype back and forth once, twice a month, just about gaming and about the hobby and about what we're doing. Um, today I reached out to him and I said, hey, would you be interested in sharing what we talk about uh, with the Full Metal RPG crowd? He's totally game. So uh, this is me and my friend Gustavo. We're just talking about horror gaming. This is a raw and uncensored look at what two GMs talk about when we're just on our spare time. Uh, we hope you enjoy this. Hope you take something from it. Um, and you know, maybe we'll do this again because I had a really good time. If you guys know uh, me from Instagram, then you might know my friend Gustavo as well. He's at. Hairsorg, that's H-E-R-R-S-O-R-G. And uh, we started doing these conversations back in the heady days of the Patreon. He was one of the people who pledged to talk, and I was like, hey, let's just fucking talk all the time, man, whatever. And uh, anyway, so now just go ahead and take a listen. See what you think. Let me know. All right, guys. So what's happening, man? How you been? Well... Pretty cool. Um, I've been gaming a lot here in Brazil. Uh, Dude, last time I talked to you, you had this like epic lineup of games that you were gonna play. How's that been going? Well, we're we're playing Demon City uh, every every Thursday night. Uh, we are going to start playing Cult Divinity Lost on Tuesdays night, starting tomorrow. Um, and we are going to play Blades in the Dark also on Tuesdays night. Oh wow, dude, you you got a lot going on. But you you were doing lamentations before. Did that game end? Well, I'm doing now on Saturdays with a with a um, a big group. Uh, it's the only game that oh, okay. I'm playing. Like like everybody's in my house and we can gather to play. All the other games are only um, uh, virtual. Like we are playing using using row twenty. You know. Mm hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That that's it basically. How's, how's that going? How's the Demon City game going? Look, um, it's been weird. I mean, the rules are pretty cool. They work. Uh, it's really rad to play with the with the tarot cards. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's really tense actually because uh, the rules uh, tell us to to create like a pile of a pile of cards, and every time you are going to do something like an action that needs to be uh, rolled, you actually uh, draw a card. And depending on the number, you succeed or not. And you know exactly which cards are on the pile. So you know if, you, right. if, if at the beginning of the game you start to draw like a lot of good numbers, like, like high numbers, you are fucked by the end of the game, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like when, we, when he was on the show talking about that, he was like, oh, the um, 1 to 10 suite of the tarot card deck is actually kind of like a D10. And I was thinking to myself, like, Except that every time you roll a D10, you always have the possibility of one through ten. But if you're drawing cards, then and you're no. actually eliminating those those uh, results yeah. each time you draw. Exactly. So that that's kind of interesting. Yes, it's really it makes everything more tense at the game, you know, because you start to predict that shit will happen, you know, eventually. It, it, mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's gonna go sideways at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And so what's that game been about? Like, what's the plot? Oh, well, that's, that's like, I wouldn't say it's a bad part, but 
my my game personally is not being like so good because of the DM, because this is something that I, this is the problem that I'm having with my DM. Um, he is a very he is a railroad guy, right? Mm. Uh, yeah, you mentioned something about this on um, on Instagram, and I have yet to reply to it. But this was you talking about like. Um, do investigation games have to be railroady, right? Yeah, yeah. That that was my question because I was thinking about and uh, like every every book that we read, read like novels, they mm -hmm. show the the main character uh, finding clue after clue in order to find the big mystery to find out what's the mm -hmm. big mystery, and th that's that's fine. That works good at, at uh, in a book, but when it comes to role playing game, it's a little different. I mean, I, I believe it's a little different. Because um, it doesn't playing an investigative game like a, uh, like when you are like a detective or something I don't know uh, playing Call of Cthulhu or something like that it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to find the final the final mystery you know I I believe that the the percentage of failing to it should be like uh, pretty much the same as in real life. You know, mm -hmm. even though we are playing a game, but what's the what's the fun part of playing a game that you already know what is going to happen at the end, which is like finding the big mystery, you know? Yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying in that regard. I, I mean, I'm just going to always take that back to Trail of Cthulhu and the way that Trail of Cthulhu addresses that, where they are like, where I, I think Kenneth Height, he says like right in the beginning, he's like, there's all these TV shows that are about... Um, people solving crimes, but they're not about people finding evidence. They're about, I mean, they find it. That's just like a given. It usually takes place in a montage or something. Yes. But what the show ends up being about is about interpreting evidence. And so Trail of Cthulhu makes it really easy for you to find the evidence, just gives it to you. But then the group has to interpret it. And as I've run Trail of Cthulhu, there have been a number of times when it's like, you can hear them start to talk. And based on what they pull together, they, like, get it real quick, you know? Yes. But then there have been some times when they've just gone bonkers. They just – because they don't interpret it right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I know what you're saying, and I, I, I think you're right in some aspects. For example, depending on the group that you're playing with, that would work, like, really – like, in a really good way. For example uh, – People, people here in Brazil, most of the players of Call of Cthulhu, they are like those those guys here that really like history, you know. Uh, yeah, they oh, study yeah. a lot. Same so here. Those, yeah, that's their cup of tea. So those guys, personally speaking, because I had some experiences with them, um, I believe they would do fine playing, uh, playing Trail of Cthulhu because for them, really, finding the clue is not a big problem. Uh but in interpreting them, that will be like cool for them, I believe. But then you have on the other on the other hand, you have those players that really like the the OSR spirit, you know, of like searching everything, like looking into the details to see if they can find the clues. And sometimes, because when you when you play a game that you have to find the clues and also interpret the clues, you are putting two layers of difficulty into it. It's not only one. Sure, sure. No. And I don't know. I, I think that, personally, I think that this is will, this will, will turn things more interesting, you know? Because they can find a clue, 
or not. And if they find, they can interpret it in the right way or not. And then, like, it's like a tree. You have, like, lots of uh, branches. They have lots of ways yeah. those players can, can go through, you know? I mean, like, I agree. I agree to a certain extent, but I also agree with um, Kenneth Hyatt and Robin Laws and the whole idea of getting rid of the role to find the clue. Mm-hmm. Like, when you're playing Trail of Cthulhu, there's no role to find the clue. Now, there's certain clues, and it'll say, like, in a um, prepackaged adventure, it'll say, like, oh, this is the key clue to this room. Like, don't let them leave the room until they've found it. Sure. And, like, I can, I can kind of, like, I can leave that one or I can take it. But what I like about it is the way that the clues that you receive are given to you by the GM for interacting with the scene rather than for making rolls. So, like, if somebody... This is what I always say at the table before I start a session. I always go, like... So, say you have uh, a skill that says art history, and I describe uh, this art gallery full of, like, paintings that are kind of, like, weird and surrealistic. You know? You can say, like, oh, I'm going to examine the paintings, and does my knowledge of art tell me anything about them? And then if they don't, I go, oh, no, it's just a bunch of paintings of swans and fucking lakes and all that kind of shit. But if then there's some kind of creepy fucking thing in there, I'm like, oh, you notice these weird symbols down in the corner. It makes you feel really eerie. But there's no dice that get rolled. It's just like, I mean, there's no chance that they're going to botch the art interpretation check and miss the clue that, like, the evil, debauched artist, like, built into the painting, you well, know? I, I now, think in this in this aspect, I, I agree to you. I, I wasn't thinking about this uh, something specifically like this. Um Relying on roles to find clues, they nah, it's not that good. That's why. No, that's I why I, I am like the OSR guy. You know, um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Every time that I, I played Call of Cthulhu for because Call of Cthulhu is like one of the big uh, the big things here for investigation. Um, sure. So one of like when I play it, I don't necessarily ask players to roll to find clues. You know, I ju- I, I just let them like investigate like only um by role playing the character you know yeah because i I think it's actually it sucked to to like oh okay do the role oh all right you you missed oh okay you you didn't find anything that that's kind of i don't like that in any kind of games you know dude i don't like that in any game either you know like there's that kind of that joke that's going around online right now there's all these like memes of like the botch on the D&D roll or the critical success on the D&D roll where it's like, you sneeze, but you roll a 20 and then the dragon dies. Ha ha ha. And then, like, that's funny. Or you like roll a, a, a one while you're trying to like hit the orc and instead you become the best man at his wedding or whatever. And it's just kind of like the whole idea that like super hyper edge cases are like, there's a 5% chance that anything in the universe could ever happen. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, it's it's eye-roll inducing, and that kind of like derpy humor that comes along with it is also eye-roll inducing to me. I mean, I, I just don't find it funny. Sure. Nor do I find it to be like an engaging role-playing scenario, you know? This idea like, oh, oh you know, it's 5% chance I might unlock this door. <laughs> okay. But look, the, the thing is, um, the thing that is like being bad at the games of Demon City is not necessarily that, it's not about like rolling, but the thing is, the DM creates the story, right? 
Right. And he he shapes the game in a way that the things will happen the way he planned. And it, yeah. it becomes impossible to happen in a different way. I'll give you an example, okay? Go ahead, lay it on. All right, we were, we were investigating this, this like, gruesome murder that happened. And then the first thing that I did when I arrived at the crime scene, it was like, because I'm like, I'm a regular civilian in the game. I'm not, I'm like a dishwasher, a Brazilian dishwasher in, in Texas, all right? <laughs> all right, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> so the first thing that I did, I was like, okay, I'm going, I'm going to call the cops. And he was like, okay, you take your cell phone and you start, you, you, you tap the numbers and, it, it, and it's like, it's calling. I was like, okay. I'm going to wait. And he was like, okay. And then he jumped my, my turn and passed to the other players to see what would be their actions. And then okay. when it was my turn again, I was like, okay, so did the police uh, pick it up? I was, he was like, no, not yet. I was like, okay, uh, what are you going to do? And I was like, I'm going to wait for the police to pick it up. He was okay. <laughs> and then like all the other players did a lot of actions. And then when he came back to me, I was like, so did it? The police picked it up. No. Okay. All right. Okay, man. So I'm not calling the police anymore. I was like, <laughs> fine. So I did my actions. Uh, we did some investigation, and when we were like leaving the leaving the the building, we found out that the the doorman wasn't there. He uh, he then came to the building and he said that oh I, I was busy I'm sorry what happened and then we're like oh man there was a murder that happened and we should call the cops and oh alright and then the doorman picked the, the cell phone and then called the fucking police and then the police like <laughs> pick it up and he's like oh there's murder happening here I was like oh really wow that's so okay, fucking so cool so it wasn't like it wasn't like there was some kind of thing going on with the police, and there was some nothing, like, man. Nothing. You know, no kind of eerie circumstances that prevented the police from interceding. It was just that it was like this is this Deus Ex Machina that prevented them. Which I mean, like on some level, as the GM, you should anticipate that if your people are playing normal dudes, then and they encounter a murder, they probably are going to call the police. You probably like you know spin that in. Maybe he just didn't think of it. I, I look. There have been times when things have happened in my games, and I just like, you know, I shouldn't tell you what your experience is. If he's railroading you, then you know it. You know. Yeah. I I once was in this video this video game. I was once in this game that felt like a video game. Hmm. It felt like all the quote unquote role playing scenes were just like cut screens okay. between combats. And, like, the way that the GM narrated them was even, like, somebody narrating a cut screen where it was almost you could feel the camera panning and we'd turn and we'd, like, see some smoke in the distance. Okay. And then he'd go, like, so, are you going to follow the smoke? And we'd be, like, <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. Oh, shit, that sucks, no, no, really. Nothing else to do here, <laughs> so I guess we'll go investigate the smoke, which is clearly what we're supposed to do. I, I wasn't in that game very long. <laughs> Well, um, I don't. Yeah, not, the thing is, I don't exactly know what to do about it because um, the first time that this happened, I tried to talk to him and say, "Like, look, uh, the game was great uh, during the feedback session. The game was great, uh, but you should like try to railroad railroad it less next time." And he was like, "Oh, all right, cool." And then the other week. It was even worse. And I was like, oh, yeah. All right, man. But uh, look, you should railroad less. Uh, I, would, I would like to play in a sandbox in Demon City. No, not necessarily. He was like, all right, all right. And then 
the last session was like the the whole west of United States of a railroad, you know, like crazy, crazy. <laughs> Jesus. So, so I'm having, I'm not, I'm not having like done... a good experience at the game, you know. I, yeah, man. I, I look, man. This is gonna sound fucking shitty, but I, I just wouldn't play anymore. I mean, obviously you have your own relationships with this guy and whatever, and like you know, it's more complicated than that. But the thing is, is like the hours of a person's lifetime are finite, and you know, every hour that you spend doing something is an hour closer to death. Yeah. And if you're doing something that's like seriously, you're like, okay, this is not fun. This is supposed to be enjoyable, but it's not enjoyable. I'm not getting out of it what I want to get out of it. I just peace out and find a different game. That's just me. Sure, sure. No, but, but it does make sense, man. It does make sense. You don't have reasons to spend time like playing something that you're not enjoying. Oh, yeah. It's got to be fun. You know, it's got to be fun. Well, I've had a lot of people quit my games because it's like, I, you know, what I do is not for everybody, you know? Uh, and sure, sure. Sometimes people leave. It's, it's all right. Okay. That's, that's the way it works. Okay. Well, the good the good thing is that tomorrow I will be starting the a new, well, I hope it's a campaign of Cult Divinity Lost. Yeah, man. So, um, like, did you get your books? Have you received them yet? Not yet. I am going. I to hear that they're. Got, I hear people are getting them. Yeah, they're starting yeah. To show up. Yeah, yeah. I, I am. I am expecting it to arrive here in the banana land here in Brazil. <laughs> um, but so, I forget you guys have those problems with mail. Huh? Oh Jesus! Oh, I mean, man. Demon City was supposed to cost like ninety dollars. You know, so it's like nah, it's but yeah, but so far we are going to use like the PDFs to play, and we are going sure. to live stream it, so it'll be like on YouTube live for everybody to Neat. watch. Cool, post post that shit on Full RPG, man. Sure. Just go on there and just post post the link in case anybody wants to. Oh watch. sure, sure. The thing is, this is something this is something else that I I really wanted to discuss about. Um, it's about horror gaming because. Cult ha has been like since since it it was released the first edition, uh, like like a very very infamous game, right? Right. Like yeah. like they, they they talk about like all the like the dark issues of humanity into it, and then yeah, and they're really unsparing in their presentation. I mean, that's the thing is like while even other games try to address that stuff, like, Colt basically just, just really just shoves your nose, like, right into it. I mean, it's it's graphic. Yes, and th this is the, the difficult part for me because because we're going to live stream it, uh, the guys from the from the channel that, that asked me to, to run it said, well, there are some things that you shouldn't do on the live stream. Oh no. Oh god. Like what? Oh, like Did they give you a list? Oh, like a uh, rape, like um like um um female murdering. Because things here in Brazil are like <sighs> we are passing through a transition. Sure. So, we are becoming more not emotional, but sensitive, maybe or sensible. I I always I always uh, I, ne I never remember which one is the right one to use. But people here in Brazil are like becoming more sensible, I guess. And this is not bad; it's good. But on the other hand, no, I hear you. But on the other hand, it's kind of difficult because these kinds of games, like they're impossible to be played online, you know, because you never know who are you going to offend. And when you treat those those uh, issues 
like it can be even worse for the channel. I totally understand why they asked me to not to put those things in the game, and I'm fine with it, even though it's cult, right? But I'm fine with it. But then I don't exactly know how I can like extract the the feelings that I want to extract from them while we are playing. Do you have any tips? Ooh, okay, well, that is a tough one because, um, I mean, if you're ever looking, if you're ever running horror and you, horror, horror is very much atmospheric, you know, and so atmosphere is one of the hardest things to generate at the table in the, in the consensual environment, you know, which when I run horror at home, I like to stack the deck with all these, like, candles and, you know, th theme songs and blah, blah, blah. But then sometimes you're running con games and it, you can't do that stuff. So then you have to rely a lot more on your the, what you're pres presenting, the actual material. And then I would actually say it's you, you have to work even harder if you're doing it in an online group. Because the whole notion of, like, fear that you can kind of pick up on your, like, the the uncomfortability of your, like, fellow humans and, like, sitting around a table and kind of, like, telling a ghost story and getting kind of creeped out together. Even if you're in the middle of, like, a brightly lit con, it's still, like, something that you can do together. But then, like, having a bunch of people who are in, like, different rooms, maybe in different countries or at the very least spread out all over the place, It'd be very difficult, especially considering that any time a person starts feeling uncomfortable, like, and I'm not talking about like you're presenting transgressive subject matter that hurts their feelings. Sure. I mean, like, they just start feeling afraid. They can just do anything inside of their environment to check out and disassociate from like the the sensation, what what's happening. So I think you've got a really tough, like, uh, arena in which to be running that type of game anyway. Um, and then, uh, and so, so then the easy thing to do is to do the Brendan thing, which is to just, just, just bucket, get a bucket of blood and just start dumping it all over everything. You know, <laughs> every time, every time they walk into a room, it's like, you see a corpse and it's been skinned and it's covered in cockroaches. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, and then, I mean, that's just a really cheap <clears throat> kind of very juvenile, like just push their buttons with the horror, with the gore kind of thing. Sure. Sure. Well, it works, but if right? You're you know, it does work because I mean, it's 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 it will convey a certain type of horror really quickly, and then um, it leaves you it leaves them to contend with it. Um, but essentially, what you're talking about is because there's a bunch of like sort of forbidden subject matter. Is you have to really kind of try and like get into their heads, and occupy. And, and all, all horror storytelling slash writing, in my opinion, is about this anyway, which is that you're trying to crawl into the, the sort of atavistic evolutionary part of the human mind that is like afraid of the dark, you know, it's afraid of what's out there, but then it's also afraid of what's inside of itself, sure. you know? So like... For one one thing I like to do is, um, I mean, I just like to describe simple things. Like, say, say they discover a body, 
and for whatever reason they have to and this is this this is a this is a really good one because you see it in movies and people gloss over this kind of thing all the time in movies and in television okay but if you make somebody role play it and explain to you in detail they get really bugged out really fast and that is dispose of a body you say okay you, there's a there's a dead body right here it doesn't even have to be super gory there's a dead body you can describe the face make it very human make them relate to it okay and then you say okay well you got to get rid of it so what's your plan what's your plan to dispose of a human to treat to 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 to, to get a human that has become an impediment to you and get rid of it like you would a piece of garbage and then be like they're like oh well, we got to carry it to the car and like describe the weight and how it feels and like ask them describe to me how your character feels carrying the weight of a cold dead human in their arms and describe to them and describe to them the way that the the flesh sags the way the blood moves to the bottom, making it heavy in the middle like a sack of potatoes, make them describe their feelings, and then keep and then keep ratcheting it up with problems, just like in a movie where it's like they go, oh, we want to put it into an oil drum. Well, how are you going to get in the oil drum? It ain't going to fit. You're going to have to like hack off its limbs. And when the blood's Jesus. coming out and you hit the bone, that part, you're, the first couple saws go through the skin are real easy, but then you hit the bone. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. And you make them experience that. You make them experience that. And that's like, I mean, that's, that's a simple thing. That's not like some kind of orgy of rape or a Cthulhu being that's like sodomizing <laughs> nun or something. It's not like any of that. It's something that's in every crime movie, it's in every horror movie, but you just slow it down, and then you say, oh, well, what do you do? Well, what do you do? And then you make them do all that dehumanizing shit. You make them think about it. And the, the only way that they can really foil you at that point is if, if, is if they're resisting you as a party, if, if the players are resisting and they're like, oh, well, my character is a stone-cold killer. On some level, that person might be trying to not feel the fear themselves, but you can actually use that person, kind of like you would a fulcrum, to have horror in the others. And like, you turn to the person who says that their character is a psychopath and say, so tell me what you see. Like, tell me what your what what's your character experiencing? Hmm. Ex explain to us the emotional state of the lack of remorse. Explain to us how it feels to look at a person like an object and to treat them like an object. And if they're good role players and they start describing it in this like Hannibal Lecter way, you'll see the other players at the table like getting ready to lose their lunches because they're they're empathizing. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. You can do some incredibly dark role playing with simple themes like that that don't require going completely over the top. Well, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, those are like great tips. I never I never saw horror gaming uh like that before. I mean, it at the end of it, you does you don't need like a lot of shit to make the 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 players get like crazy about it. I think after what you said, I started to think that maybe horror gaming it's in the details. It's in yeah. the details. That's it. Like yeah. 
description, like uh, mm -hmm. feelings, how how they are feeling, how their characters are feeling. Th those mm -hmm. are very mm -hmm. man. Those are great tips, really. I mean, like one of the things I like to do when I'm out walking around. I'm not even kidding. Is I like to think about things I can say in a horror setting to get my players to think about it. You know. So, like, for instance, like, if you want to, if you want to describe breaking a bone, you know, talk about, like, a crust of bread that's been set out for a few days and the way you, like, snap it. Mm -hmm. and it flakes and it crusts, right? Or talk about the feeling of, like, um, a full, a full plastic bag with maybe, like, meat in it. Mm -hmm. Talk about, like when you tear into the plastic and that's like cutting into the flesh, you know, on some level when you describe in a fight, like the sensation that they have of punching their knuckles against a face like this is, this is one because so many role playing games just don't deal with it. They're just like, Oh, I rolled a hit. I rolled a dodge. Blah, sure, blah, blah. They make sure. it all about dice. Yeah. The whole thing is very antiseptic. But then, but then seriously, what I like to do is rather than doing like a blow by blow, of the fight, I like to say I like to let them make, let them make a couple dice rolls so to see who's winning, uh -huh. you know. And then I'm like, okay, so yeah, you overpower him, you're on top of him in the bar, and you're just raining your knuckles down on his face, and you can feel the skin between his cheekbone and between your knuckles splitting as you're pounding the skin onto the bone underneath it, just over and over and over until the sound becomes wet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's just a fight scene, but by changing the 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 speed of it, by focusing on the detail of the dehumanizing action, rather than on the sort of, you know, zoom back, pull back, and you're seeing the epicness of the moves and all that kind of shit. Sure. By like really focusing on the 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 horror, the horrible part of it. Yeah. Then they experience horror, and that's that's if if. That's my, that's what I would do if I were in your position. Uh, I guess, I'd make them, ex go ahead. I guess I would have to, I would have to fly to Arizona to play a game in your table, man. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> Jesus. It's a, it's a, it's a, nah, it's, it's horror gaming, man. It's the best, it's the best thing that there is. <laughs> it's, it's, it's my favorite thing. Well, <laughs> well, I think, I think the game, to, well, I wish the game was in English. Because now I'm really I'm more excited to 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 run it tomorrow. Uh, I I wish it was in English too. It's in Portuguese, right? Yeah, it is. It's in Portuguese. Yeah. I wish I I wish I I wish that at the very least trans transcription uh, 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 technology was the point that I could tune in and watch a little ticker. Oh, that would be cool. I'm sure. I'm cool. sure in a few years it'll be there. Sure, man. <laughs> Another thing I like to do, just as a last point, mm -hmm. is um, I like to inject as much realism into the setting as I possibly can. I've noticed that a lot of horror games, and Cult kind of, it plays with this a little bit. Okay. A lot of, a lot of settings kind of like have almost kind of cartoonish backgrounds. Mm. Like they are very kind of like, oh, there's a you know, fog, and then there's a yeah. creaking iron gate, and then there's a bat, 
And that's all like shit that you'd see at like Halloween, you know. Sure, and it's sure. like I understand. I understand that there's like a certain kind of fun to that. I'm not saying that it isn't fun, but what I, one of the things I do when I'm out walking around is that I observe the insides of buildings so that I can describe them later in role playing games. Oh, that's and a- I can make them make them feel really real, you know. Like when you go into a bar, like really look at it. Like, really see it. I mean, you're a filmmaker, so you know what I'm talking about. Sure. Like, like really see it. And then when you're describing the scene, you know, that will definitely add the realism to make people feel uncomfortable. If you're like, they're in the bar and you smell the, the beer on the floor and the, the way that the pool table, the felt, is all kind of, like, worn through in certain parts and the way that the neon light kind of rests on people's faces that makes them look kind of ghoulish, uh-huh. you know? And then the scene starts to play out, and then you inject that horror, that visceral horror, into it. That's boom. a good tip. That's a good tip because uh, you you kind of prepare the background in a in a certain way that people would see the place as their like like, like their normal lives, you know, like like the real world. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is interesting because then uh, this aspect of horror gaming, it's pretty cool. Um, w- because when you have like this cartoonish uh, background, people might not see their characters like in in a, in a real uh, danger situation. Because like, oh, okay, we are playing a game. That's it. Mm-hmm. But then when you prepare it and you sell your scenario like it was the real world, I guess the the behavior of the characters would be completely different. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I agree 100%. I, I, I never, it always bothers me when I'm like at a game or I'm watching a game that somebody else does and they say, oh, you go into the bar. <laughs> and the players, the players don't ever ask. The players don't ask for any more de- description. Yes. And the GM doesn't give any. That yeah. bot, I mean, that makes me want to fucking flip out. You know, like, like we all, I mean, I understand that there's a certain element of, of like common shared experience that we all call upon when we're doing storytelling. Like for instance, I was just describing to you the bar and I described the smell, I described the light, I described the pool table. You know the pool table's there. Uh-huh. Um, I described the beer, so you know that there's beer there, right? But probably I'm willing to imagine that you were that you saw the actual bar in your mind's eye and that you saw the mirror behind the bar and that you saw the glass bottles. Yes. Because we we all know that. Yes. We all know that that shit's there, mm-hmm. right? Um, so what's important is to establish like that mood and that feeling. And if and, and if a GM says to me something like, "Oh, well, we all know what a bar looks like. There's a bar and there's a pool table and there's the glass and the mirror," and I'm like, "Yeah, okay," but like I've been to a, like a bars that have mechanical bulls and that have <laughs> like a bunch of chicks wearing straw hats going yeehaw and singing like country country songs i've also been to bars that are all goths i've been to bars that are like they're uh like drag shows are going on and like you know like gay men wearing like you know fishnet shirts and those bars all feel different yes but they all have the bar the mirror (laughs) the glass yeah (laughs) yeah 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 totally totally so you gotta tell me how it feels you gotta let me know how it feels Anyway, I'm sorry, man. So I'm I'm stoked for your game, dude. I can't wait to hear how it goes. Well, let's see. Uh, we are going to to play tomorrow um, at 10 p.m. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I will see. I will see if YouTube has the 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 subtitles thing that because the games are are live stream, but they all go to to YouTube. So I I think probably YouTube has this this subtitle like thing that is automatic, and they like the the software applies it. I don't know. I, yeah. I have to check it out. I think you might have to turn it on. Will it be on there as recording afterwards? Yeah. Or is it only gonna be live and then gone? Yeah. All right. To, oh, what's that, man? Anyway, so at this point, uh, the wonders of the internet got a little choppy, and the you know, you know transcontinental communication between me and Gustavo. We continued our conversation, but when I tried to get into it to sync it up, the syncing clock was just all off. So this wasn't going to happen. We really appreciate you coming to listen to this completely unedited, like uncensored kind of take on what you know me and Gustavo talked about. And I hope that uh, Gustavo had a good time and we do it again because it was really fun. And uh, I got a lot out of it. So, I mean, I hope you got something out of it. Anyway, thanks for listening. Another episode of Full Metal RPG. Have a good night.